Okay, we're going. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Candy Corn Cinema. I am here today with Chris Engel, and we're here to talk about Blazing Saddles and A Million Ways to Die in the West. Chris, this was your pick. You you had this genius idea, and I loved it because I remember seeing A Million Ways to Die in the West in the theaters and loving it at that time, but I was probably too young to see it. Like, it was rated R here, but you can get in with a parent, uh, if you're if you're under uh, under the R rating here in Canada, and let's just say I, I saw a lot of movies I probably shouldn't have when I was younger because because my my parents are awesome. So I saw this one in theaters, and I saw Blazing Saddles when I was very very young. Tell me why you picked these two. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Mel Brooks, and I've been itching to want to look at a Mel Brooks film. And uh, I thought to myself, what? is the definitive Mel Brooks film. And instantly, I think Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is recognized as one of the funniest movies of all time. Uh, it's been saved by the, the National Film Registry, Library of Congress, has it preserved. Like, it's, it's really uh, talked about a lot when you talk about comedies. Yeah. But I thought to myself, it, Mel Brooks uh, is, is the classic, seminal, comedic actor, director, writer, who do I pair up against that? But maybe with a film that didn't do as well, and that's when it hit me, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane is also, I think he's a very modern, uh, I mean, the guy's been working in the industry for a long time now. He's got like five uh, Grammys. Like, <laughs> the yeah. dude's the dude's like a like a renaissance man. <laughs> like, he's he's legit. And he's got Emmys, and yeah. the guy, you know, he's he's got the clout. Uh, and he's a, a very talented writer. He's a funny actor. Um, and he's really great with parody, as we see with Family Guy and his television, his other television shows. So when I thought to myself, all right, let, let's look at this. And I found out that um, I watched Million Ways to Die in the West when it came out. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I loved it. And it reminded me of this, of this parody. Uh, the Western parody too, and so we paired the two together to see how the forty-year difference I was between say forty years exactly. Yeah, I saw that when I was yeah. looking these up, and it says exactly uh, forty years. Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks, who nobody questions, Mel Brooks, yeah. you know, versus Seth MacFarlane, who definitely can be a little risque, but yet is let's face it, on the top of his game. Family yeah. Guy keeps getting renewed, and uh, his other shows like keep 20, going. Twenty years now, right? Nineteen ninety-nine. You know, yeah. And the guy has enough clout now that he's going into season three of a science fiction show that nobody thought would be great, and yet it's an amazing show. So the guy you, has You like clout. the Orville. I want a quick quick tangent because oh. my mom likes the Orville, and I haven't – I've yet to jump into it, and I really want to jump into it because I'm like a tangential Star Trek-like mm -hmm. fan, but like I really – Star Wars is my he's, jam. Uh, Seth MacFarlane's a huge Star Trek fan. In yeah. fact, he's in two episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, really? <laughs> he really is. Uh, and I like seeing that kind of thing. He's a big Star Trek fan. And I thought this was going to be ha-ha, an hour of ha-ha in space. It's not. Yeah, it's, I heard it's It's really like, I've heard it's next generation. It's basically like TNG. Like it's basically the yeah. new TNG. So I'm, I'm excited. He, he touches on topics that Star Trek sort of glanced over mm -hmm. and were very discreet about. He's a little more forward and oomph about it, but I love it. Because no, that's it his keeps... style, right? That's his, yeah. as, his as as is evident in the movie. But yeah, so it's, it's great. But let's 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 talk uh, parody here. I want to yeah. talk about the king, all right? <laughs> the king, because remember, it's good to be the king. 
Mel Brooks. Mel See, Brooks my, and Blazing when Saddles. You said you said uh, Blazing Saddles. When it's your, mm-hmm. you think Mel Brooks, you Mel think Blazing Saddles. Saddles. Me, being a Star, star Wars since the day I was born, basically, Spaceballs. Space Mine is Spaceballs. Like, that's just the one that comes comes to my mind when I think Mel Brooks. But mm-hmm. I do I do remember seeing Blazing Saddles very, very young. It's one of those movies that when I was rewatching it for this, it's like, oh, like flashes of memory as I'm, as I'm watching this movie. And it's like, why like another one like why am i allowed to see, why was i allowed to see this so young <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's this funny was actually this was mel, this was not mel's first work but it was his first parody hmm. which is what mel brooks often is is most famous for is is parody um so uh, actually yeah yeah this is the first parody because previously he had the 12 chairs which is an original story uh and then before that he had the producers the original oh yeah producers yeah. uh so yeah, this was his first parody. In fact, uh, a banner year for him because 1974 also released Young Frankenstein. Oh wow! So it's and a good year for Mel Brooks. Madeline Kahn was in that as well. Oh Madeline Kahn, we're gonna get to Madeline <laughs> Kahn. Love Madeline Kahn. Uh, anyway, uh, so so Blazing Saddles 1974. Um, Mel Brooks directed this, uh, written by this is the fun part. Five people: Mel Brooks. Norman Steinberg, Andrew Bergman, Al Ugger, and a surprise for me, Richard Pryor. The great, great stand-up comedian, one, uh, again, arguably, one of the best stand-up comedians in history, mm-hmm. continued. In fact, I think in the uh, the stand-up comedian list, I, I remember watching a, a documentary on that, and they had a list. Prior, I believe, was number one. Well, and one of the most and influential. I wouldn't disagree with Just that. influential among all comedians. Oh, yes. Yeah. So these five guys worked together uh, to write Blazing Saddles as we have it. Uh, music done by John Morris, who does a lot of Mel Brooks' work and Mel Brooks himself. Uh, and that's a theme that we'll see throughout Mel Brooks' work, but also into Seth MacFarlane. Uh, this idea of music playing an yeah. influence uh, because it becomes a musical a little bit at times and it's goofy and it's fun, but uh, really, really enjoyable. Um, let's well, see. Well, they're both very heavily 89%. influenced by animation. Like we'll get it. We'll get into that more oh, later yes. with McFarlane, but, but there is a, there is a very clear Looney Tunes moment in this, in this movie. There are a couple of them, but quite, there's a, like a musical well. stinger. They use an actual Looney Tunes musical stinger in it with 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 the joke with Mongo, and it's great. I love it. Yeah, I love Mongo. Eighty nine percent in Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so as we talk about Blazing Saddles, I think we kind of have to put the elephant out in the room. Blazing Saddles is very controversial, even till today. It's often said that Blazing Saddles could never be remade today, as controversial. Uh, the material that they put into it. Uh, so we're two white guys here. We recognize that. We understand how difficult it is to talk about this, especially in modern times. Um, so uh, we we respect the work that uh, Richard Pryor and Cleavon Little and uh, uh, all the other actors put into this. And uh, in doing research for this film, these guys felt it was important to really show um, that you know, minorities weren't just as as they've been portrayed uh, even up into the 70s, that they could have a lead role, they could save the day, they could do a lot to it, and yet also make a, a statement about the world they were living in at that time. So yeah. uh, we do recognize that. It, it is, it exists, it, it, it's behind that. 
at the end of the day, this is supposed to make you laugh. But Mel Brooks, if anything, is a genius writer, and he knows how to make you think while you're well, laughing. Well, yeah, Mel Brooks is he uses he uses the laughter to make you think. Like, if anything, I would like put like he's a comedian only because that helps him get his message across. Like, if if he could mm-hmm. do it, like if he could just write it down like in a treaty in a in a big book and be a philosopher, he probably would. But he's a comedian, so he he makes people laugh and makes people think about the culture that they live in or the culture that they came from, especially mm-hmm. in the like in this movie, right? Like the yep. the history of the yep. United States in this movie and just how people were treated and you just put it out there so bluntly that it's horrifying and hilarious at the same time and that's it's it's tough to reconcile because like like we said we're two white we're two white guys and like this was what people used to do but it's outrageous like it's clearly outrageous like the point is why would people do this because it is so outrageous they're just People, people are people. That's, I think, the biggest thing with Mel Brooks and especially with like the producers and stuff like that. Like, he's got this through line of this of this great philosophy, I think, and it's just it's it's really exciting to see. Yeah. So, uh, basic plot of this film: there is actually a parody, a plot in this parody. Oh, uh, is a railroad than, is being built yeah. in. Huh? I was gonna say more than a million ways to die in the West. I think we'll get we'll get to the comparisons <laughs> later. Yeah, um, there's a railroad that is being built uh, through the West. There's it, we're not sure what state exactly, but it's a Western state uh, as you would expect a West to be. Uh, and what happens is as they're building a railroad, uh, they come across a large section of quicksand that they can't get past. So they need to redirect the railroad through uh, the town of Rock Ridge. Uh, but the problem is they can't legally do that uh, unless they get rid of the people in the town. Yeah. So the um, the attorney general and assistant to the governor played beautifully by Harvey Corman. Who calls uh, out for a, for a Oscar nomination, which he didn't get, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny in this is, is that, yes, he, in the film, there's one point where he calls for himself to get an Oscar nomination. <laughs> and ironically... Madeline Kahn gets an Oscar <laughs> nom for this movie. I love that. I, it's adorable. In fact, two in a row. She did two Mel Brooks films in a row and, and got uh, uh, Oscar oh, noms. Wow. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so he wants to, to do that. So what he does uh, is he tries, he, he wants to get rid of the people in the town. Uh, and so he comes up with this genius idea that he's going to hire a black sheriff to go ahead and and just be the sheriff of the town and the people are going to run away just because there's a black sheriff there. Yeah. And that's that, that that's it. So Cleavon Little goes into town. There is a classic bit that goes on uh at this point where the sheriff's uh they uh, okay, they use the n-word a lot in this yes. film. Yes, that was Pryor's influence. Yeah. Pryor insisted on that. In fact, both Pryor and Cleavon Little insisted that that word be introduced into the film. Otherwise you do not have a film yeah. that was their, their input into it. And they, they believe that wholeheartedly. I don't agree or disagree. It is, it was their choice as the writers, uh, but it is there, but they, they play with that too. <laughs> like they say, the sh- uh, there's a guy up there and he goes, the sheriff's up. And he says, yeah. that's the word, but you can't hear him. And everybody down below is like, Oh, the sheriff is near. 
you know, they're, they're playing with that. And so the sheriff, he comes into town, there's a fanfare and everybody <laughs> looks at it and all of a sudden it just gets quiet. And he gets off his horse and he goes up to the podium and he's like, uh, you know, hold on, let me whip this out here. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I'm it's not great. sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was talking about his penis there, not his gun. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the I joke. Know. I'm not entirely sure, yeah. but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, but he, take, he takes the role. And right there, you know that this guy, this guy is not going to be the sheriff you expect. He, he not the authority. He plays with it. At the very beginning of the film, uh, he's on a work crew with a, a bunch of he's other the one who finds the uh, workers. Yeah. Uh, he, he, well, yeah, but before that they're working and uh, uh, the, um, the white workers are, uh, they're dicks. They are, let's face it. That's how they're being presented. <laughs> well, they're not even working there. Uh, yeah. They, they yell know. at him and they go, we want to hear a song. <laughs> and it's like, you know, uh, and so they start singing, I get no kicks. Bro, and they start doing this uh, four-part harmony yeah. just beautifully. And the, the white guy's like, no, I want a song. Camptown races, <laughs> sing this song, doo-dah. And so they and start they doing just, it. They just get all caught up in it. <laughs> the guy, Well, the guys, the uh, uh, Cleavon Little and his men, they're messing with him. They know what they want, what he wants, but yeah. they're messing with him. Uh, and so they're like, I, I, Camptown races, what is that? And so uh, uh, the white guys, they just all start Camptown races, five they start doing the dance. One of them's got a banjo. Laughing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Out of nowhere. <laughs> anyway, but you see this cleverness yeah. going on with uh, with uh, um, uh, Black Bart. His, the character's yeah. name is Black Bart. Um, so when he gets into town and everything, uh, all the white people, all of a sudden, they pull their gun on him. After, and, and it was like, whoa, and it's really tense. He pulls his own gun and puts it on his head. He's like, save me, mister. The, Something gonna happen. The physical, every- the physical acting that Cleavon Little does in this, in in uh, in holding himself hostage, he really, it really looks like somebody else is like pulling him by the arm as he's pull, as he's pulling himself down the down the stage and, and into the, into the sheriff's office it looks it's it's just a great piece of comedy and a, and a great piece of acting from him yeah so you know he he takes his job as the sheriff after he gets out of that situation it's funny he's like these people are strong but they are dumb <laughs> These aren't smart people, and that's the yep. thing too. These people, all they are not portrayed as smart people at all. Call that political commentary, if you will. <laughs> but throughout this movie, they are yeah. they are not intelligent. Uh, then he meets uh, in jail a drunk who uh, <laughs> goes by the bed. name of the kid, the Waco kid, played by the incomparable Gene Wilder. Uh, this is Gene Wilder's second movie with uh, Mel Brooks. Uh, was not originally supposed to be in the role, uh, was the third person to take the role. Uh, The first person uh, which was chosen actually was John Wayne. John Wayne was originally going to be that, but they, I know, I I swear to this, John Wayne was originally going to be that. I don't don't know about that one though. I don't know how that would have worked, but he backed out because he, he has a certain family image. Yeah. You know, his character. Surprising. And he said, but I'll tell you, I'll be the first to buy a ticket. He <laughs> loved the idea. Yeah. Uh, then then uh, after him, uh, another man took on the uh, the role, but got in a drunken stupor on set. And so was oh, kicked I heard off about set. Oh, who so was they, it? 
I heard about yeah. this. Uh, hold on. I, I have it in my notes here. Uh, there it is. It was, uh, oh, it was uh, Gig Young. Yes. Gig Young was cast. Yeah, this was like. But he was clapped. Yeah, he was, it was, he was a horrible, horrible story about Gig Young. Gig Young has got a horrible yeah. Hollywood story, unfortunately. Yeah, he's a big alcohol so, problem. And this, I think this, this was like close to the end of his life, actually. And like died really young, so. So Gene was flowing in. Uh, other choices, too, by the way, for, uh. Headley Lamar, that's the running joke through the whole thing, is that no one calls him Headley. They call him Hetty, and he gets pissed. He's like, it's Headley! Well, and it's, even the governor hilarious. the governor makes a joke. It's like, you're, you are you can have the copyright on it. This, we're before she was born. <laughs> like, they make this anachronistic joke about it. It's like, we're before her. You can, you can own the name. It's fine. <laughs> but everybody still keeps um, making it. Originally, um, actually, uh, it was offered to Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson turned oh. it down. Gene Wilder was offered it. He turned it down. Uh, and then we got Harvey Corman, who's genius. At this. Great. Yeah. The governor, we have to note the governor. He's only in it briefly. <laughs> Mel Brooks. Literally, literally briefly. Because he's in his yes. briefs. In in <laughs> um, and he does this cross-eye thing, which is amazing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, but yeah, they're yeah. So the, basically, this is the whole got to be the railroad baron. I'm gonna gonna make the money. It, that's that's the whole plot of this. Thing. It's it's like the um, the the dumb king. Like, isn't uh what was it? What? So there's a couple of Disney movies that do it too, right? Where it's like the the second in hand, like the the left hand of the king is always like he's literally like yeah. signing for him and doing it, doing all the king stuff. He's, and he's the just, goofier version yeah. of Grimer Wormtongue, kind of. Mm, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so we, you know, we're introduced to, to, uh, Waco kid and their relationship and they start to build a relationship. Um, so the first plan obviously doesn't work. The people don't leave because the share, you know, they didn't leave. Uh, so he goes to his, the men who are the white men who are on the railroad who are working for him. And they say, we're going to send in Mongo. <laughs> to go beat him. Now, Mongo is this big, huge, hulking guy, low intelligence, mm -hmm. but he's a big guy. And it, we first meet Mongo in, a, again, another classic Mel Brooks scene where all the guys are sitting around a campfire eating beans and cornbread, and they just start letting off farts one after the other for about two minutes. Just it's a big, it. like, yeah, cavalcade of them. <laughs> Now, let me tell you, when I first saw this at 12 years old, that was the funniest thing ever. Uh, and that's the thing with Mel Brooks, too. Mel Brooks is is not afraid to do a little lowbrow humor, yeah. if not a lot sometimes. Yeah. He's not afraid of it. Uh, but Mongo, his job is to go in and, again, terrorize the people. Get him out of town. So he he rides into town on an ox, not a horse, not a, on an ox. And one, uh, I, I didn't get the joke. I still don't. I don't understand. On the behind yeah. of the ox, what, one says yes, one says no. I don't know what that means. It's a joke at the time. I haven't figured it out. Um, yeah, but he goes into that. town and everybody's freaking out. He uh, And he goes to tie up his ox on a hitching post and somebody comes up <laughs> and says, you can't hitch there, that's illegal. He gets down, goes over the horse, punches the, the horse. horse. <laughs> so the horse falls over. Oh my gosh! Um, and so he goes into the into the saloon, uh, is terrorizing everybody, and they're yelling, "Mongo, Mongo's here!" Uh, the sheriff's like, "All right, I gotta go deal with these people." <laughs> so he goes in, and this this is the part well, you the... were talking about. He goes in, 
Uh, and he's got everybody held behind his back. He's holding him back. Well, the Waco and, kid says uh, not to Little not to shoot him because he's like that'll only make him angry. And that's like matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got this. So he goes in and he's dressed as a telegram operator and he's got a box of candy and he goes candy gram for Mongo for Mongo candy gram for Mongo huh? candy gram for Mongo sign here please and he gives a Mongo never get candy before. And he opens it up and it blows up in his face like a like a Looney Tunes cartoon. And then the Looney Tunes playoff happens and and uh Cleavon Little runs out of the saloon like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> it's great. I love this. And then, like, and then he talks and then he's talking he's talking to the Waco kid and he's like he's like the hard part was inventing the candy gram. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Yeah, he plays with it. Uh, also, breaking the fourth wall. They continuously yes. break the fourth wall in this movie. They address you directly, which I absolutely... And then the, the ending of the film, again, is just one giant fourth <laughs> wall break. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but it's a Mel Brooks standard, really. He, he will will deal with cameras and uh, crew operators. He's not afraid to play with that. Yeah. So um, they, he uh, manages to get Mongo jailed up, so that plan didn't work. And the town starts to respect him slowly, because like <laughs> and in there's secret, this old lady. And in secret. So there's this old lady. He, uh, he. Um, the first time he goes, goes out, out town. Yeah, the first time he goes out. He, yeah. First time he goes into town in the morning, he's like, "Good morning, ma'am." It's one of the more um, famous scenes. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> and, she, and she says, "Up yours, N word." Mm -hmm. And it affects him. Like he goes back to his office. He's, he's like, dejected. Huh. He's, and Wake Up Kid is like, "What did you expect them to say?" <laughs> So, uh, so after saving them from Mongo, <laughs> he gets a knock on the window late at night. He opens it up, and it's the old lady. He's like, she's like, listen, Sheriff, uh, I baked you a ha an apple pie. I, I hope uh, in some way it shows my apologies for that uh, uh, up yours N-word comment. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. And he's like, thank you. And he closes it, and he goes to sit down. And he hears knock, knock, knock. And he goes open up. She's like, um, but I appreciate it if you didn't tell anybody we had this conversation. <laughs> I'll do that. And it's just, it's great. I, I It acknowledges the, this, these racist factors yeah. into it. It yeah. really acknowledges it and it plays with it. And it's not a funny thing, but that's what Mel Brooks does best. Mel Brooks takes these uncomfortable realities and puts it in front of your face, but at least he's making everybody laugh about it. Yeah. Well, it's I'm not because it's a funny cut concept because sometimes it's the only way to talk about the yeah. issues yeah well that's the thing absurdity i think is a really important in mm -hmm. a lot of in 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 certain comics for certain comics absurdity is kind of like their their trend right and i think that yep. this yep. is that kind of thing right like it is mel brooks find it finds it absurd that there is racism so pointing it out in such a way is it is like I said earlier, it is horrifying, but it is also hilarious because it's like, why? Like, why is this? Why is this this way? If, mm -hmm. if, like, it's it's so clear. Like he makes it he makes it so clear, and I and it's one of the things I really like. And this is something that he's approached a lot with uh, uh, anti-Semitism. Yes, being a Jew himself, this is something he approaches a lot, which is why you will always see him make fun of Hitler every chance he gets, anytime he gets. You look at all his films. I guarantee you, you're going to find some reference somewhere where he's he's going to do that. He just that's his including his in work. this one, <laughs> um, you know. But that, 
yeah, it's his thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so Hadley Lamar fails again. Uh, this time he says, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send in someone to seduce him <laughs> uh, to seduce the sheriff. So he sends in uh, Lily Von Stupp, played by the incomparable Academy Award nominated actress Madeline Kahn. Uh, she's Bavarian. Well, Madeline Kahn <laughs> is not Bavarian, but her character is. And she does everything with a wisp. Yeah. So she sounds like really Elmer weird. Fudd. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she has a number, a song and dance number on the stage, which again, uh, written in lyrics, Mel Brooks, choreography. It's got that. Well, even the theme that... song for Blazing Saddles that we opened with was was a, mm -hmm. an original song for the movie. Like Mel Brooks is, mm -hmm. as that's another thing, is like with the producers, he loves music and he loves writing music for his stuff. Yes. Uh, actually, his his education was in music before it was ever oh, in writing. Oh, that's what his primary was. was okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so she has a song and dance number and she invites... Um, she invites Cleavon Little back to her 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 her, her abode, um, and she tries to seduce him, and even turns out the lights, and we don't know what happens. <laughs> we have to assume and insinuate what happens, but then the lights come back on. It's the next day, and she's she's in her clothes, and she's made him breakfast, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and she makes him these huge sausages. And he's already eaten uh, 15 of them. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, 15 is my limit, you know? Um, and she falls for him. Yeah. She falls for him. So again, Edley Lamar, he loses this, this fight again. So he decides, fine, I'm just going to hire every ruffian, every scoundrel, everybody. Every Mexican bandito, every, <laughs> every halberd. He has a list. And I love that they like get most of the guys. And I love so, one of my favorites is the guy with the motorcycle, uh, the motorcycle, uh, the, the bars. And cause he puts them on the horse. You see him and he's got him on the horse <laughs> when he's doing, he's riding out the horse later too. <laughs> it's just cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so everybody's supposed to come and sign up to be on this raid party. Uh, and we see everybody that he's listed. Even there are German soldiers <laughs> from like, like world, world war one. <laughs> yeah, just, everybody is there. And you're like, what, what is going on here? Uh, we don't need then, no stinking so, badges. <laughs> oh yeah. That's where the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, um, Cleavon little and, and Gene Wilder, uh, they're, in the back, they're looking, going, "What do we do?" I got an idea. And <laughs> this is like, where Heldon Kumar on, got, got that. This. <laughs> I got this. So Gene's like, "Oh boys," uh, and and he pulls out Clayball Little, and he goes, "Where are the white women at?" <laughs> and these these KKK guys go chasing after him. They steal the robes. They get in line, and you know, I just, it's also a classic line. Where are the white women at? <laughs> yeah. And he does it so just funny. Um. They get in line, um, you know, Hedley Lamar and, and Slim Pickens are there bringing the guys in. And they get up to the line, uh, and, and they, they oh, that's the other thing. They ask all the bad guys, what are your qualifications, Larson? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, murder, uh, rob the stagecoach. It's it's hilarious to listen to these guys list their, whether they meet the qualifications. And there was one guy, oh, man, what did he not do? Oh, I forgot what the guy didn't do, but he got him, like, got himself killed right like he got himself like the one guy uh, i can't he remember shot him. 
Yeah. 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 I can't remember what he didn't do. Like when he was asked for his crimes, and he fucked up and he got killed. But it was funny. It was. It was and then Lamar shoots him with a derringer, yeah, which is yeah, just, yeah, yeah. nothing. Uh, so he gets up there, uh, and they go to sign, and they notice, uh, mind you, they're in robes. They notice. Uh, um, well, Cleavon goes to yeah. You, Cleavon he, Little he reaches his hand. hand it's yeah. like, oh, we we burned down a church. <laughs> he's, he's just a little sooty. It'll come off. And then he and turns his hand his over, and look, it's coming off. And it's like, oh my god, that's a that's a good joke. That's a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, they they go after them, and they manage to escape. Uh, they they do get away. Uh, they get back to the town and say, "What are we gonna do? We we've, we've gotta you know we gotta do something." Uh, and so he gets in touch with the um um uh, they run away. They're they're in in running trying to figure out what happens. Uh, they get captured by uh, Apaches. Play yes. the Apache chief is played by Mel Brooks. <laughs> Uh, but it's an Apache chief who speaks Yiddish. Yeah. Oh no this this is when Cleveland's telling uh his uh. Uh, it's backstory, right? This is that part. Is that not? That's that's uh, when Mel, uh, Mel Brooks's guy comes up. I thought Mel Brooks's chieftain character. Yeah, the thing I have to go through my notes. The thing is, like the, the and we'll see this when we get into a million ways. There are a lot of um tropes that both of these with the westerns, both of these guys hit. Yeah, pretty heavily. You can see that that um. Uh, Mel Brooks definitely influenced uh, McFarland. Oh yeah, for for, the, for his scene in that, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there um, we go. I, I went to the plot really quick. I, yeah. I brought up the plot just to make sure I got it right. Uh, anyway, they they meet with the Native Americans. Um, and nothing really much comes from that after a certain point. Um, but they they need they know need they need to get help. They've got to do something. That's what they figure out from from meeting with them. Yeah. And so they meet with the the blacks, the Chinese, the Irish, all the people who are being persecuted. And, we're and they rattle them together yeah. and say, "Here's what I need, guys. I got an idea. I need you to get wood and paint and everything, and we're gonna make an exact duplicate of the town two two miles over." Well, like what? So before- like just do it. In 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 their in their discussion though, bringing it back to our last week's episode on uh, on the on the weird racism against the Irish as well, they they brought that up in in this movie too. There's <laughs> there's there's a negotiation for uh, plots of land and stuff, and it's like, okay, we'll take the the N words, we'll take the Chinamen, and we'll take. But we won't take the Irish. It's like we won't take the Irish. Irish. <laughs> and even all the other minorities are like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Oh, they're like, like it's like fine. Yeah, yeah. Hard. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, um, it's, 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 yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so they all, all, everyone comes together. All the townspeople. They build. They build a, a fake town. Uh, but they're late. They're running behind. They don't have. They need to make dummies. And so the Waco kid comes up with an idea, which again, this Looney Tunes kind of theme goes. He's like, I got a way to slow this down. And then you see uh, all the guys running up on the west, and they come across this building, and it's a toll booth. Now, mind you, it's nothing but open <laughs> space on either side. But it's this toll booth, and it's this exact change only. And, uh, and nobody's Slim got guns. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, anybody got a dime? No, what do you mean? Now we gotta go back and get a bunch of dimes. So that slows them down. But yeah. it, it's it's but it, just this idea of this toll booth sitting there in the middle for no. It's very Looney Tunes esque. Yeah. Something like oh, Bugs yeah. Bunny would do. Yeah. 
Um, well, even like yeah, the whole like wood town, wood fake town. Yeah, that's completely yeah. Looney Tunes. Yeah. So they get him into the fake town. Uh, they try to blow it up. Doesn't work. Uh, Waco Kid has this plot of he's you know not shot anything since. Uh, he he has a backstory which isn't that important. <laughs> I'll be yeah. honest, it isn't that important. Um, other than the fact that a six year old shot him in the ass. <laughs> that's the reason why he's depressed and drunk all the time and a six-year-old shot him in the ass so um he he marksman you know shoots uh these uh explosives and starts blowing up the town and everything and then everybody goes in and they start this brawl and beating all the guys down mongo's beating everybody down and this is where it starts to get crazy <laughs> it starts to um <laughs> it starts to get crazy because what happens is we 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 see a, a crane shot of this fight and it pulls out. We see everybody fighting. It's great. But then it pulls up and you see Burbank and Hollywood. Like it's a movie set. And it pans over to this sound stage where there's this French musical that's happening being directed by Dom DeLuise, who is a Mel Brooks regular. Uh, and you don't get why it's happening. And then all of a sudden the door crashes in and everybody spills in and starts fighting and, and wrestling and, and the fight just continues in, in this, in this studio. And then they start fighting with all the French dancing guys and there's gay jokes going on. And uh, it's madness. I don't know about gay jokes. It's I mean, like madness. that's maybe the one thing that like, I don't know how the N word doesn't age more poorly than the F word in this movie to me. Like, cause it seems like the M word was at least used in conjunction with writers that like knew what they were doing about it. Whereas yeah. Dom DeLuise and, and a bunch, I think it's like once or twice else in the movie, it gets, it gets called out and it's, it's like, whoo, is that, it sounds a little, uh, a little homophobic there, Mel. <laughs> Yeah, it, it does. But then it, it continues. Yeah. They spill out into the commissary where we get our obligatory Mel Brooks funny Hitler moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's yeah, the, an actor when, playing. When, when, when are you done? I'm done after the bunker. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's the pie fight. And like it's just, and then a tour group, a tour group is outside, goes inside, and then when they come outside, they've got pie on their face. It's like it was perfect. It, it's madness. <laughs> Um, and then Headley Lamar's, he's running away. He's trying to get away from these guys. Um, and so they're, they're running away and they then run outside of the studio down the streets of Burbank, which apparently was supposed to be planned, but there was one guy and in one shot, you'll see it. He just wouldn't move. <laughs> and so Headley Lamar pushes him out of the way, calls a cab and and goes to the movie so they end up at grauman's chinese theater where the premiere of blazing saddles is happening and he goes he, he buys a box of racinets and goes and sits down and then sees on the film screen that the waco kid and and um uh, black bart are coming in he's like oh crap and he has to go <laughs> run and get away it like it breaks. This is where the fourth I, it, wall. That is it, like crashes. the most meta thing I've ever seen, and that was back in 1974. Like holy shit! Like that's like you're in the you're in the movie watching the movie, and the movie hasn't finished yet. Like this is like, the precursor <laughs> to the uh, Mr. VHS in baseball. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is this is the precursor to that, in my opinion. Uh, but they, they eventually. 
stop him. Uh, and Headley Lamar. <laughs> so he falls down on a piece of wet cement, which if, if you don't know, in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater is where the famous handprints and the signatures happen. And that, that's, that's where that traditionally would happen. So he lands in a thing of cement and they look back at it besides Headley Lamar. And they're like, he even did his own stuff. How did somebody do their stunts with such small feet? <laughs> like they just start playing with him. And then the film goes back and we go back to the West and, 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 and you know we and we end our film uh, with our hero riding off, well our heroes riding off into the sunset until they're met with a Lincoln car <laughs> and they get off the horses get in the Lincoln car and drive away. Very very Monty Python on the Holy Grail. I don't know which one did this come out before it's, it's that or so it's trippy. very Monty Python. <laughs> I found, well I I don't know about the movies but I know uh, Flying Circus was before this. Holy Grail. Oh, Holy Grail was a year after almost, this, actually. 75. But I know I know. Uh, Flying Circus was, yeah. was well, before well, this, because Monty Python's been around. Oh, yeah. Well, I was, thinking, I was thinking, like, literally just of the ending of Holy Grail, right? Because where everything ends, oh, and yeah. then it's like, it's just like everybody gets arrested, and it's like, it's all just like, wait, what? What's going on? Like, is this normal day? Like, is this in, in real time? Like, real day? Is it just people acting like idiots. <laughs> so the comedy that's in here really hits these points of um they hit racial stereotypes a lot but they challenge that. Yeah. You know, when you have the black sheriff which they don't ever let go. Uh uh the fact that, you know, a, a black sheriff it's a big deal. Think in 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 uh, 20 years when they do Robin Hood Men in Tights, they reference back to that. Uh when when um Achu is made sheriff of, of Nottingham and they're like a black sheriff. Why not? It worked in blazing saddles. <laughs> so they, they go back to this again. You know, this film is it's self wrench for referentially funny. Um, it's, it's got low humor. It does have some high, uh, uh, very heady, heady, yeah. uh, kind of humor. Um, and it's rounded out by such an amazing cast yeah. and amazing writing. Well, we it's barely no talked run. about Slim Pickens. Like we mentioned him yeah. casually, but like he's he's pretty he's pretty great in this movie. He's pretty. Uh, Slim Pickens is your stereotypical yeah. dark dude and raff and scrabble. You know, he's that kind of Western guy that you've heard in every Western standard. He's that guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's 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 uh, he's the uh, <laughs> he's the. Um, the sidekick, the uh, the 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 Igor. The, he's 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 yeah. he's head he's Hedy's Igor. <laughs> yeah. Um. This is this is hilarious. And Madeline Kahn. I <laughs> during the battle. I forgot during the fight. When oh, everybody's <laughs> fighting. Everyone's fighting. Madeline Kahn is there. She manages to get the German soldiers. They're just and they sitting around a fire, drinking songs. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. Um. This this movie is is definitely deserving of all the titles and accolades oh, yeah. that it's got, and there's no doubt it's a controversial film. It was then the studio, um, the studio absolutely despised this film. Yeah, they hated it. But Mel Brooks, being the genius that he was, he had managed to get total creative control. He had final say. The studio couldn't do Jack, with one exception. And that was Cleavon Little. 
Mm. Um, Richard Pryor was originally supposed to be Black Bart. That was the point. But Richard Pryor was going through a lot of legal issues, and the studio could not get him insured on the lot. They couldn't happen. So they retained him as a writer and brought in Cleavon Little oh, to play okay. uh, to play Black Bart. Okay. I mean, I want to, I kind of want to see the alternate universe where Richard Pryor did that role. I don't know, man. Cleavon Little's so smooth. Like, he's so smooth in the role. And, like, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure Richard Pryor could be, like, smooth in the role. It's just, I think he's, he's more funny. Like, I think it would, it would change the tone to be a lot a lot more overtly comedic than like satirical right like more overtly parody than satirical right like kind of that like for for that role because like he's not he's not the Cleavon isn't the uh or sorry, uh black bart isn't the uh like the uh explosive one really for for most of it he's got like a couple yeah. a couple parts where he like he acts he acts like really well like we said with the uh, holds himself hostage and stuff like that but he's not like it's not like he's got like the really big comedy moments right and i think richard Pryor was doing that he might have a yeah. few more of those right just because he's just a generally more he was a more expressive guy in the way he in the way he, in the way he did his comedy um, so this film, uh, as I had mentioned, uh, did get Madeline Kahn an Oscar nom, but not Harvey Corman, despite that he does <laughs> beg for an Oscar nom in the movie. Uh, which, and that's that's something to point out here, which is worthy too, is that when you think of the history of Oscars, comedies don't get recognized. Not a lot, no. It does not happen. So for a comedic actress like Madeline Kahn to be recognized for this film was a huge deal. When it got two this other was nominations an enormous as well. Thing. It did best film editing, which I, I lost to Towering Inferno. I kind of understand that one. Uh, and best original song, um, which, which also was lost to um, Inferno. <laughs> I think it was the title song. The title yeah. song was nominated for an Oscar. And it also lost to uh, Towering um, Inferno. <laughs> Yeah, I looked at less. It was Towering Inferno's year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they did win Writers Guild's uh, awards for best comedy mm-hmm. written for the screen, which you know got Richard Pryor <laughs> Writers Guild uh, award. That's that's significant, you know, uh, as well as Mel Brooks. Um, see, Mel. The thing with Mel too is that Mel's an all-around guy. Mel had already won for writing uh, an Academy Award for writing The Producers. Mm. Uh, so he had already, right off the bat, got an Academy Award. And down the line, the guy eventually becomes one of the few individuals to win EGOTs. He gets a Grammy, he gets uh, a, a, a Tony, and an Emmy. You know, Mel Brooks, this is this is the guy uh, that made this. And I'll, I'll tell you, if it wasn't for him standing behind this, we wouldn't be looking at this today. No. I don't think, we wouldn't have no. a million ways to die in the West. Oh, we God. would not have these. Yeah. I don't. I think. I think that's a good transition. I think because, like, I think when people talk about you can't remake Blazing Saddles, it's like they kind of did, and it's called a million. He tried to. It's kind. It's called a million ways to die in the West. Like it's. It's. It, they, it's. It's not exactly because it's not. It's Blazing Saddles is more about race than 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 anything. It's that's kind of thing. And Million Ways to Die in the West is Seth MacFarlane wants to make a Western movie. But also is yeah. Comedian. Mel Mel Brooks is the king of doing satire through parody. Yeah, he's very good at that. Seth MacFarlane is good at satire, but he doesn't do it well through parody. Not quite. See, the thing is that, like, w- when we get down to like Family Guy and his shows, 
you've got to think that he has a massive team of writers behind him. It's not just all him sitting there writing jokes. He's got too many. He's working on Orville. <laughs> he's got a lot going on. So A Million Ways to Die in the West, uh, directed, and yes, it is written by him. Uh, along with Alex Sulkin and uh, uh, Wellesley uh, Wild, and those two are um, Family Guy writers, this... I do believe. If I was looking that up correctly, yes, he took his most trusted. Uh, <laughs> released in 2014, uh, 40 years after Blazing Saddles. Uh, stars, of course, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, Seth MacFarlane plays um, uh, Albert Stark. He's a, a sheep farmer in the Arizona Territory. Um, uh, in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, and his thing is, he's he's so whiny at times. <laughs> well, he's, he's a whiny guy. He's a, he's a guy from the 2000s that was dropped into the 1800s, right? Like, because he, like, he is, he is the out-of-place obscurity because he, like, he knows everything yeah. about it. He's like, like, everything here can kill me, and I just, like, don't care anymore. Like Through the whole film, that's what he talks about, yeah. is the different ways you will die in the West. The million the ways title. you can, yeah. Uh, there's some, let me tell you some funny, we will go through some of these ways you will die in the West. That's part of the humor. It's, it's almost like he said, what if I, how could I take cutscenes and do it in this? Now, mind you, he did this after Ted. Ted did that. And only he tries to do that again, which is something that Mel Brooks doesn't do. Mel Brooks doesn't do the cutscene. Yeah. He's very much a flowing narrative. Yeah. This is, this is like skits. Like, this is yeah. more akin to a Saturday Night Live movie than anything else, I think. Then, then, yeah. Then, then a Mel Brooks movie, technically. Like, I think that, like, it, it, the way it functions is, it's just a, a, it, there is a narrative through it, but like the, the narrative for Blazing Saddles is the driving force. Whereas here, it's mm-hmm. kind of just what's happening. So we meet him right away in a gunfight, and he's a coward. He's trying to talk his way out of it. He manages to talk his way out of it, but he's got to pay the guy he insulted or whatever. Well, the, he, uh, again, that his sheep, does not matter. His sheep ate their grass. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm being honest. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Nope. He pays it, it back later and literally it. like it's a line later that yeah. he says he pays it back. Um, but he gives up this gunfight. His girlfriend, played by Amanda Seyfried, uh, she dumps him right then and there, and he's all depressed. Yep. He's really depressed about it. Um, we then meet uh, uh, the villain of our story, Clinch Leatherwood, played beautifully by Liam Neeson. So remember a couple weeks ago when I said we were talking about bad Liam Neeson? Uh, this is just evil Liam Neeson, yeah. not bad <laughs> Liam Neeson. <laughs> uh, he's he's a rustler. They'll, they'll rob and kill and um mean so to this nice old guys, prospector. Yeah. They come across this prospector who found gold and he kills him. Uh, he challenges him to a gunfight, tells him to pick up your gun. I will shoot on three, but he always shoots on two. That's kind of a plot point. Um so he kills him, uh steals the map and the gold he's gonna go to, and he says, Okay, let's go. His wife is played by Charlize Theron. Who campaigned uh, for the role apparently because she really wanted to do something comedy, apparently. And I think she kills it in this movie i think she's so, she's awesome uh he sent liam neeson sends one of his men and charlie theron to go hide out in the town in uh the town of old stump uh they're gonna hide out in old stump uh for a little while until he comes for them that's what they're to do so they get into town so we are introduced to a slew of characters from seth MacFarlane. first are his parents 
His parents are so hilarious in this. His parents. Well, I don't think his mom has a line. I don't think his mom has a line at his all. His mom doesn't have a line. His dad's an asshole. I like, love his all dad. The way, so, hold on. so first of all, his dad and mom sit in the same chair and they never move. Yeah. They do not move from this chair. There's a scene later where we chair. see him realizing he's bored and his mom's giving birth in this chair. And dad's just sitting there. And then he's like, and he's always. The doctor's like, to the dad, don't you want to hold him? And he's like, it's fine. <laughs> no. No. Uh, and, and so, wait, uh, dad, so there, there's another flashback that Seth has at one point where he remembers he's a kid. He lost a tooth. He says, put it under your pillow in the morning. The tooth fairy will come for it. And he's like, okay. He puts it under the pillow, wakes up in the morning, looks, and there's horse turds there. He's like, what happened? There ain't no tooth fairy, dumbass! <laughs> Clean up the horse shit! <laughs> like, oh my god. That is hilarious. I love the dad. Your mom died. So he starts dating. So Seth MacFarlane's character starts dating, and he's like... <laughs> In in a, in one of like man, it's a funny joke, but it's it's tough. It's a tough. I'll say a tough joke. Like there's a there's a young girl throughout this movie that is that is seen as a bachelorette in this movie, and she is like nine years old. She's about as old as Charlize Theron ends up saying that she was when she married Clint Eastwood's character, right? So it's like this is what happened back then. Like they're poking fun at it, but it's man, is it uncomfortable every single time she's in a scene. But so after he finishes this date thing, he goes to his house with, with, with one of these women and his dad's dad sticks his head out the window. She says, your mom died. <laughs> they just transfer to a scene of the burying the mom. And then two guys come out of nowhere. And it's like, Hey, can we get on, get on, get on this grave? And it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> they just throw two extra bodies in the grave. So, so to be clear, you only get that in the extended unrated version. Oh, is that really that version? Okay, I wasn't that sure. Is the I was extended gonna... unrated version. Of the little girl? No, and it's funny. There's more stuff to it. I, I, uh, no, no, no. Uh, just more overall scenes okay. than compared to the theatrical version. Yeah. But he did the same thing he did with Ted. Ted, yeah. he did the exact same thing as well. He did a unrated yeah, that's the one I watched. version yeah. that no yeah. one's put out. Yeah. Uh, we also see uh, cameos, 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 cameos. There are cameos by a million people in there. And I just, I want to get some of these cameos out of the way. We'll talk, we'll talk about a few because they're the fun. Entire yeah. thing. Um, uh, okay. Jamie Foxx. At the very end. Who does not come end. in until yeah. the credit scene. He comes in as Django. I love it. Oh my so, God. So, Okay, there's a scene in the movie where uh, they go to the fair, and Seth's thing is like, people die at the fair. People always die at the fair. <laughs> people die at the fair. Let me tell you, first of all, I'm not a fan of county fairs. I tell my kids this every year when they ask to go to the fair. I go, people die at the fair. Thank you to this movie for that. But um, there's there's a scene where Seth MacFarlane is challenged to a little bit of a, a, a target practice yeah. contest against who is not our villain, but he's irritating as hell. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, played by NPH. Yes, NPH. Neil Patrick Harris plays Foy, who has this mustache. The mustache. <laughs> oh, mustache. Oh, mustache. There's We're a great, there. great music. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to get there because that's it's what we're talking <laughs> about. But anyway, um, he uh, NPH bets him uh, uh, a penny a shot. Uh, well, so he nickel and, and, and he's like, no, I can't do it. 
<laughs> yeah, it was like it was like he, a nickel. You can only do a penny. Fa- uh, Seth MacFarlane gets up there and fails. Charlize Theron comes up and says, "Here's the deal. If I can, I'm gonna shoot. If I can hit six out of six, you're gonna give him a dollar." And everyone stops and goes, "A dollar? Nobody has ever seen a dollar before. Show us the dollar!" And he pulls the dollar out of the thing. Like, Holy shit! It's a dollar. It's so great and over the top. Uh, but here's the thing: the targets they're shooting at are black slaves it's it's, it's a wa- it's a water it's a runaway slave run and they're like they've got water yeah. like watermelons and it's painted in blackface and it's 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 very minstrel it's showy and it's very it apparently it tested very poorly with the audiences so that's so why they, they added, added in this cameo from jamie fox's Django. Django comes in he's like you want trasher Sir, sure. He pulls out his gun and he shoots the purveyor and he goes, people die. That's fair. <laughs> yes, I love it. So in uh, Ryan in, Reynolds. In that dollar uh, oh, scene though, in that dollar scene when he's when we're talking about like is uh, in the shooting scene, that's a cameo from Ewan McGregor right in there. Yeah, Ewan McGregor's in this and I still literally I a split that. second. A split second. He's got one line. Ryan Reynolds is in it for a split second. <laughs> he gets too. Shot. He's in the bar. He gets killed. But Ryan Reynolds, that goofy smile, you'll yeah. you'll never. Oh, miss he's, his um, face is right there. Yeah, Ewan McGregor's cameos, got like a mustache. Um, Gilbert Godfrey is Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Four scars, seven years ago, and he he goes off, and he was like, "I used to be poor, <laughs> now I'm richer than all of you." And Seth MacFarlane goes, "I, I, don't, I don't think, think that's Lincoln." It's <laughs> <laughs> so great, Chris. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd has the best cameo in this entire movie because he goes to a bar. Uh, it's night after the dance, and he sees a barn, and there's lights. What's going on? And Seth MacFarlane looks in, and it's Doc Brown with the DeLorean. And he's like, what, what's going on in here? Uh, uh, it's a weather experiment. <laughs> oh, okay. And then you hear the the just the quick uh, Back to the Future a little uh, bit of a tune, yeah, yeah, a little bit of it. I loved it. I love that being in there. Killer Cuoco was in this. Yeah, Patrick Stewart, of course. He's Patrick he's Stewart a is in this narrator when he when he's uh when uh Seth MacFarlane takes a bunch of drugs. See, and this is the thing. I think that yeah. like we could go plot wise, but like honestly, this movie the plot is probably its biggest fault for me. Like though, yeah. it's there's too much of it, and I think that it's clear that like like he wanted to make a Western and a comedy. So he kind of like squished them together. Yeah. Cause there's like a real Western story in here, but it's like, it's really hampered. Like that is hampered by the comedy and the comedy is hampered by that. But like the comedy bits are so, I find, I think are so great. Yeah, in this movie. Um, his best friends. We have to talk about his Oh best my God. <laughs> his best friends. Giovanni Ribisi in this Sarah movie. Silverman at Giovanni Rib- uh. Uh, Ribisi. <laughs> Uh, so so Giovanni Ribisi is his guy friend, uh, and he's dating Sarah Silverman, who is a Christian girl who happens to be a whore. And she's a prostitute. She is a hooker. <laughs> and she has no problem doing prostitute things, but she will not sleep with Giovanni Ribisi until they're married because that's the Christian thing to do. <laughs> They've made a pact. <laughs> and and the, the jokes about her and the things that she has to do – is constant in this movie. One of the first ones All is the when they arrive on the ranch after after Seth MacFarlane's character gets dumped. Like there's a, there's a it's a callback joke even because like when when she, he arrives in the saloon the first time, she she gets she's like she gets taken back taken out and he's like she's got to come back later. 
because she got to do anal for somebody, right? Like she's got to like an yeah. appointment. Is like, is there an appointment for anal? It's like, no, the dude just comes by and kind of whenever he wants to stick it in someone's oh, so ass. 530 sounds, sounds good. Okay. So and then later, <laughs> later in the night, they go over to uh, Seth MacFarlane's farm, and Seth MacFarlane's like, "Have a seat," and she's like, "I think I'm just gonna rest my asshole for a little bit." <laughs> It just stands. It's just like, that's the, it's Seth MacFarlane for better or worse has great juvenile humor. And there's a couple points where I think it goes a little too far. Like, like Neil Patrick Harris's character. Like I love him getting the, like the indigestion and the diarrhea right before and during the, during the duel. I didn't need to see the hat get kicked over. That's the Uh, one shot I didn't need to see. I didn't need to see the beans in the hat get kicked over. (laughs) God. Okay, so, all right, so at the local dance, um, because I want to talk a little bit about the music. Yes. Uh, Because Seth, here's the thing. Seth also has a background in music as well. If you don't know, Seth is a classically trained singer. Uh, and he does have a really good sense of music. Every season in Family Guy, there are songs left yeah. and right, parodies of classics, sometimes just straight classics. He, he loves doing it. Um, so this, they created an original song called The Mustache Song. <laughs> I love it. And so they have kind of this hoedown kind of dance thing. And the, 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 the song is all about you're not a man unless you have a mustache. And she won't oh, love you. Mustache. Oh, mustache. She won't love you if you don't. Yeah. Have, yeah. And and the thing is that um, uh, Neil Patrick Harris has this very snidely whiplash kind of curly mustache. Actually, it plays into it too later. Um, he's in bed with Amanda Seyfried. I was going to bring this up too. Uh, yeah. Talking, yeah. And he, uh, they're talking back and forth with each other. They're like, shut up, woman. Now do what I like. You know what I want? Fine. And so she starts sucking on his mustache and he starts <laughs> playing with himself. He's like, you're successful. You're uh, fantastic. It's the weirdest just fucking like, thing. Oh my hell? god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my god. Oh, and then and then there is a brief uh a brief uh how I met your mother reference from from him too. Uh she um chat when she challenges him to the gunfight. I at the dollar he goes challenge accepted. Oh shit. Oh uh, man. Yeah. yeah. I get yeah. Challenge accepted. Yeah. yeah. Little little uh, reference yeah. right there. I love that show. Um, I used to love that show. I love the show. No. Yeah. Uh Alex Borstein is also in this briefly. She's the uh she's the uh, madam at the brothel. Mm. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah, this is one where just kind of everybody who's a buddy of Seth MacFarlane is in this film. Yeah. You know, and and you're right. The overall plot doesn't matter. In the end, um, uh, Charlize Theron is 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 hiding herself. Her her bodyguard, as it were, gets in trouble, gets hidden. She starts. She meets Seth MacFarlane. Kind of starts to fall for him. They get a relationship, but then uh, they find out a town. Find out a secret, and it's standard rom com thing. Liar revealed. Yeah, and although this is funny. Uh, he takes uh, Clinch and his guys take her out, and they go off. And Clinch is going to uh, take his wifely right from her out in the middle of nowhere. And she knocks him over the head with a rock and knocks him out. She un she takes his belt and everything. First of all, that's stupid. She took took the damn belt with him. With but her, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. His pants are half down, so it's it's Liam Neeson's ass. I want to know if that's actually his ass. I want to know if it's actually his ass. Because I think as many Seth MacFarlane things as he does, I think it's Liam Neeson's ass. <laughs> and she's like, no, I can't leave him like that. She picks a daisy and plants it in his ass. 
<laughs> See, was, that's one thing I kind of wanted to bring up too is that like, there's that part and the that part's not really a joke, but there's another part in the movie in this movie and there's a couple parts in Blazing Saddles where they try to joke about rape a couple times and they're trying to they're trying to make a funny about it and I'm I I will I will be the first to say you you can joke about anything. I have yet to hear a funny rape joke, and I just don't think it it's 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 not worth it to try it. It just doesn't seem to work, and it just like it the scene that scene in in this movie kind of sucked the air out of it. It's just like kind of like when they were talking about it. It's like because it was so like nonchalant in this movie when they were talking about it too. It's just like whew. I just so, thought I just thought I'd bring that up a little bit. <laughs> they, they, uh, Clinch figures out that Albert kissed his wife, or she kissed. Well, anyway, the point is he's pissed. Yeah, he gets away and he runs away, and he gets captured by Apache mm-hmm. Indians, uh, and the Indians are gonna kill him. But they figure out that he could speak their language. They're like, "What's going on?" He's like, <laughs> in, "In their language, I'm a nerd." I, I didn't. Like I didn't have very many friends. <laughs> All I do is read, and they're like. Okay. You know, as they're talking to him. Now here's here's kind of the derogatory thing. They they're talking in the native language and it's subtitled, but it's not the native language because they start making shit up. And there's one point where <laughs> I this I caught this when I originally saw this. Yeah. I wonder He's if it's the same there. one. I wonder if it's the same one I, I pulled up and I've wrote notes on because I this is my favorite line that he yeah. says. <laughs> So he he he's sitting there and he's like, whoa, he basically he's saying, whoa, 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 stop. But instead it comes out Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. <laughs> that's when you see, like, that's the thing is like, I think that's like, it, cause it's right near the end too. Right? It's right near the end of when they, when they start ta- speaking in the fake language. And I think it's like, yeah. he wanted to do the, the Mel Brooks kind of like Yiddish kind of like Indian thing, but he just made it gibberish. And then it's like, just to point at it. Cause you maybe thought he was doing it properly at the very last thing he says is Mila Kunis. And you're like, Oh, none of that's real. Like absolutely none. It's all fake. It's all it's all bullshit. And to point out the chief here is played by Wes Studi, one of the most prolific and one of the best Native American actors out there. And it's just very interesting to see. I like you said, when when you have people like Cleavon Little and and um and Richard Pryor working on a project like Blazing Saddles, you've uh, I don't know if it's right to feel, but you feel a little more okay when they're making jokes with and about these type of people, right? Like these people, the native yeah. people, they're making jokes at each other and with each other. And they're just, they're throwing it back and forth. And it just seems like it is in good fun. And it's not in, in poor taste or it's not in bad. It's not trying to induce hatred. It's trying to yeah. poke fun. Now this guy too, you're right. He, he has a little bit of clout behind him. Um, he has an honorary Oscar. He does have an honorary Oscar, which is only the second Native American individual to own or to be presented an Oscar. Yeah. So the fact that this guy played with it, thought it was, you know, okay. I mean, it's it's hard to make a comment on this, you know. What? Wait, real quick. Wasn't he M. Bison in the uh, or not Bison? Uh, Sagat in the st- the Street yeah, he Fighter was movie. Sagat. Yep. He was Sagat. Space? Yep. I'm looking at his face yeah. on, uh, on here, and I'm like, wait a second. I know that face. <laughs> There's another movie we'll talk about one day is Street oh. Fighter. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, hopefully. Yeah, we got to find a good, good, a good fighting movie. 
you put that up with yeah, Mortal Kombat. Good. It'll yeah. be Mortal Kombat. You realize <laughs> is, is that? that right? a, but is that a is that a good movie? <laughs> is that whatever well, Rotten Tomatoes says at this point? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we'll anyway, see. <laughs> the thing about this movie is it, it culminates in the end. Uh, he's got to fight. Uh, um, he's got to fight Clinch. Uh, 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 McFarlane's got to fight him. And she warns uh, uh, McFarlane ahead of time. He always shoots on two, so she gives him that heads up. So he gets up there, uh, and he they draw. It's not a quick fire either. He draws the gun, and it's like, okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna count to three. And what happens is he goes one, and Seth shoots. But Seth is a terrible shot. He's gotten better. There's a training montage. Charlie's he gets better, trains him, yeah. but he's still terrible. But he does manage to graze his arm. And he's like, that's it? Oh, man, that's that's all I got. And so he he says, oh, well. And he's, he, he gets ready to shoot him. He's like, wait, can, can, can I have any last words? And he's like, make it quick. This is where it gets real cringy. For me. <laughs> this is where it gets cringy. Um, he says, "Well, my my grandparents were were uh, Arabic, were Arabic yeah. and so I need to do the Arabic death chant." Yeah. And I'm like, "He says, Whoa. I think he actually says Muslim in the movie." And he's like, oh, "It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's the, it's even either more way, a little more like." <laughs> either way, and then what he does is he starts going. Hey, 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 he just, hey, yeah, he just starts hollering. Oh, yeah, which is a song. It's a song. Yeah, and I'm like, "What are you doing, man? Stop it!" And he just keeps talking. He just keeps talking, and you'll notice uh, Clinch is getting kind of like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And he he kind of limps down. He's like, "What's going on?" And then he reveals what happened. Uh, he thought ahead. He knew he couldn't beat him. So what he did was he loaded up some hollow point bullets with rattlesnake venom. Which I don't know how it stayed in there, but whatever. <laughs> but the point is, Especially when you fire according it to him, explosions. all it needed was a graze into the bloodstream, just a graze, yeah. and it would take you down. And he knew that if he had went first, then he might have had a chance. And all he needed was one shot. So that's what he did. But as he's doing he's monologuing about this we look over and he's dead halfway through the monologue he's like did he hear all that smart stuff i did uh i i, I don't know yeah anyway um but i just yeah yeah it, i think that this movie is yeah more of a vignette movie and i think it's when 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 looked at that way it's way too long it's definitely way too long <laughs> It's it's Seth MacFarlane goes to the West, and yeah. that's what it feels like to me. I I love Family Guy, I do, and I love the style of humor that he has. Yeah. Um, and for me, okay, so I, I guess we could talk about the title, "The Million Ways to Die oh, in the yes. West." We gotta talk he about a few of these. Out numerous ones throughout the film that are hilarious. Uh, so he, his buddy comes in, and we're gonna do these a little out of order. Just yeah, some of my yeah. favorites. Um. Uh, his buddy comes in and says, "Hey, you want to go look at the ice block that's coming in uh, today?" This is one of my favorites. Huge ice block. He's like, "Yeah, let's go look at that." And and he comes in. And he's like, "There's this giant ice block that they've lifted and they're bringing." He's like, "Why did they bring it?" In? He's like, "Oh no, it's these guys back east. They they do it in these giant swaths so it doesn't melt." Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so that way we get have all our drinks. And while he's talking, <laughs> all of a sudden. One of the ropes breaks and it smashes on the guy and blood oh. splatters everywhere. It's like it's a good oh, shot oh my too. God. Oh. Yeah, and, and then later, 
just shortly after, if they were like, hey, you want to get something cold? You're like, oh, they're going to use it with they're the blood. They're still going to use I the mean, ice. <laughs> it's great. I love that. Um, the, the of course um uh Django the Django yeah. cameo with pe- people died at the fair yeah there's absolutely many different that. ways yeah that they died at the fair yeah I just I think that like the the ice thing and there's the two bar fights right like there's about two bar or one one really oh, big no, bar no, fight no. where they where they're going that, like that that was what I we're just fighting on ourselves over here. Don't worry about us. The bar, fight, the bar fight starts happening, and everyone else is fighting, and they're all they're doing with each other is this. And they're like, "Oh, you don't want a piece of this. This is oh, we're getting really hurt here." Rick, oh, oh, and and and, and he cuts back and forth, and they're just doing this, and then all of a sudden, his buddy throws one at him. He's like, "You actually hit me." He's like, "I'm sorry." I, it's like there's I, a red I, I spot was right here. New. We don't try something new. That's why we have the meetings. <laughs> but I think like, that like this. I, I think that. I think that like the bar scene in that and like I think that Seth MacFarlane could do a pretty good action movie if he wanted to. He needs to he needs to open the camera, to open the frame a little bit more, of course, but like I really like yeah. the the bar fight action scenes are pretty visceral. Like, if anything, they were visceral. And, like, it was, like, they were lots of broken bones, people getting, like, their arms wrapped around, like, poles on the on the thing. It's, like, there's a lot of violence in this movie that's, like, surprising. But it's, it's it is, I like it. And the thing is, it's very funny. Yes. But it's much lower brow funny. It yes. Is, and it's what Seth MacFarlane feeds off of. I think and there are more jokes be- per minute than Blazing Saddles. Like, I think it is, it's a more constant stream of jokes. Rather than the like thing, the thing with Mel, as we've stated, is that Mel was trying to make a point. Yes, Mel was trying to say something. Seth is just trying to get you to to laugh. Yeah. And there's a time and a place for that, which is why I love this. This is funny. It is that's all it is. It doesn't make me think. It doesn't make me. It's just funny. I love it. And that's the other thing, too, is everyone else in this film kind of has that Western feel to them. Yeah. Even Liam Neeson with his Irish accent, he's he feels, you know, he feel you feel it. Uh, Charlize Theron, you kind of feel like she, she reminds me of um, of the lady in um, uh, The Quick and the Dead. I have not. Seen She's got that. Oh, we'll get I have there. to see it. Yes. Oh, we'll get there. Yes. Uh, but she feels like that. She feels like she belongs. He does not. He he yes. feels out of place in this film. Yeah, like you said, it feels like it's somebody today. Well, and being he looks there. Like honestly, like I don't understand how Seth MacFarlane looks that good either. Like he like he's a really good looking guy, and he just like he looks really clean and out of place in 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 a million ways to die in the West. So they like it looks like it's like if he tried to grow a beard, he definitely couldn't. Like I can't, but it's like like he couldn't even <laughs> like bother to like try for it because it would have just looked real bad. Like stubble him up or something, right? Like he looks super clean. Yeah. It's very very clean, which is like it's a kind of a theme through the whole movie. Like the whole movie is very. It's a very like even though a lot of people die, it is very sanitized, right? But yeah, but it's like I thought that um, like the sets and everything like that. They were they were great and. Yeah, the I I'll actually I kind of want to visit. That was the one thing yeah. I really adored about this film is uh, his sense of camera work. In mm-hmm. that you you really get a sense of this frontier. Yeah, they talk about the frontier of Arizona and, and just the rocks and the sunsets and everything they have going. It's gorgeous. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they filmed it there, but by gum, this was this was filmed mm-hmm. really well. It's beautiful to look at. 
Yeah. You know, um, it, it's it's a fun film, but it's just it, it is clearly influenced by Mel Brooks. Yeah. The use of the music, uh, the cameos, the 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 commentary is there, but it's commentary without purpose. Yeah. So you know, it, 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 I understand why it didn't respond as well critically. I could see it. I get mm. it. I love it because I love Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Seth MacFarlane has that funny bone, that way to make you laugh. Yeah, at least, at least, yeah, the people that he can, like, he'll, he'll, he'll yeah, yeah, the people that are into his type of comedy, they'll, they will love it for sure. So I think wow. that, like, yeah, Family Guy's been on the air for how long? Well, that's now? what I mean, I right? Like, that's why I'm surprised. It's like I don't think I think that it's I think that it's a fresh movie. If it's on, if it's it's teetering on the edge, I don't think it deserves the rod, and I think it, I think it could deserve the like yeah, very it's edge, thirty-three percent edge, which is sad. Yeah, I think it could, I think it could ride the edge of like sixty percent. Like that sounds good to me because its plot is a little like bare bones and just kind of like by the book. So it's like just. I think the other the other thing to it is the western. Mm-hmm. Um, Westerns in modern times are not the most popular genres. I don't think that's the sole reason, but that definitely plays into it in terms yeah. of what people watch and, and what people like. Uh, you know, now it's, and it's not like uh, science fiction films, which science fiction, hero, fan, you know, th- this, this kind of area is, is much bigger. Yeah. You know, so with that, I think then it's only appropriate that since we looked at a genre that maybe is, is neglected now, we go into science fiction again Ooh, and we take that? a look at the seminal science fiction franchise that doesn't end with wars. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna um, take I, I really want to now for me, I'm a junkie <laughs> on this. Yeah. Precisely Luke. Luke shocked. Yeah. yeah. We'll take, we'll take um, that down for next week. <laughs> Next week, I want to take a look at the uh, the Star Trek movie oh. that started it all. I want to take a look at Star Trek, the motion picture. But unfortunately, it is not rated very well. Really? It isn't. Unfortunately, yeah, it's not rated well on Rotten Tomatoes. So I want to put that up against what has been called the Star Trek film that we all deserved that unfortunately is not a Star Trek film. We're going to go up against Tim Allen in Galaxy Quest. That's As we will never give up. <laughs> we will never surrender. I can't. Uh, but you know what? I also feel that these are, these are, uh, there's a lot to these two movies. So yeah. I think we need a little help. Who do you got in mind? I want to bring in our science fiction buddy, Chris Skywalker Doman. Ah, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a fabulous idea. Uh, he, he knows a lot about uh, science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I have talked. We are Star Trek nuts. We both, he and I, are just nerds for Star Trek. So I would love to bring him in to share with us. I've read, this, uh, his so, I've read his, some of his Star Wars work, too. So I've, I know him in yeah. that realm. So I can't wait to talk to him about yeah. Star Trek. And then a bonus heads up for two weeks from now. This is big. This will be a big episode for us. We, uh, you, you want to tell them our, our, uh, our so, special so two weeks? Then the plan for the next two weeks is we're going to be talking about Superman. And we're going du- to double it up again. So this is going to be like our Batman episode. We're going to double up 
Superman from 1978 as our as our A pitcher. We're going to double it up with Man of Steel. We're going to end the only person that I think that I could talk about these movies with other than Chris is Mr. Mark Yodi Riley. So join us two weeks from now when we have Mr. Mark Riley on and talk about two of the best Superman films ever. And you can take that to the bank. So Chris, thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you for, for listening, for watching. Please, uh, Follow, like, subscribe, whatever. This is the first time I'm saying it. Maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe you guys will actually do it. I don't know how these things work. So maybe just because I say it, you do it. We'll see how that works. Everybody, enjoy enjoy your week. Have a have a good week. Stay safe. Wear a fucking mask and enjoy <laughs> enjoy your time. See ya.